Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's the uh, podcast for a uh, Monday. Yours truly, Bob McCowan, John Shannon. Hello, Robert. Uh, with us as well. Um, a most. I'm surprised you. Uh, I'm surprised you took calls today. After your football team. What do you mean I took calls? Well, I'm. Well, you you actually re returned a couple of texts last night, probably after you threw your phone at the wall. No, not really. I mean, I think, um, and I, I think uh, our guests will attest to this. After you've been a fan of a team that has been so inept for so long, any achievement is um, is one that is um, revered, reveled in, um, absorbed. I, I, I didn't get frustrated at all. Um, they played all right. Uh, I think Kansas City played like crap, but we'll get into all that uh, okay. today. Uh, a couple of guys who know all about this stuff. Uh, Scott Rabb joins us, uh, the um, author now in uh, New Jersey, but has written a lot about uh, stuff from Cleveland. And uh, Howard Simon of uh, WGR in uh, in Buffalo. Mr. Simon, to you first. Um, I assume you did a show this morning, and um, what was the sense I assume people are elated, but are they, is there any way they're overconfident now? Uh, first off, if the show is about inept sports teams, I have no idea why you'd want me on from Buffalo. <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about it. I can't relate to any of this stuff. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Um, I think by this morning, the elated feeling wore off a little bit. They're definitely not overconfident. I'd say they're confident. You know, it used to be, honestly, I do think this team, Okay, yeah, guys, you know, Buffalo sports fans can be a little bit fatalistic. Like, okay, when's the rug going to get pulled out from under us? Of course. Uh, because we've experienced it a lot. This team's a little bit different. People are very confident and feeling comfortable enough to say, yeah, they can do this now. They can win the Super Bowl. It's, all right, so it's Kansas City. All right, so you got to go to Kansas City and beat Mahomes. So I, it's, it's not overconfident, and it's definitely excitement and happiness, Bob, that I haven't seen here in 30 years, but it, they're – they're confident, not cocky. Scott, the Cleveland Browns, on the other hand, um, came close, but no cigar. Well, how were you? Um, Howard suggested I might be, or, or, or uh, John did, fatalistic this morning after a close loss in a game they might have been able to win. How did you feel about it? I, I feel, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm grateful that they're not uh, a disgrace and an embarrassment of an NFL team. I thought they were, they were a fun team. This is a, 
you know, maybe sound uh, a, a little bit lame, but it was all gravy yesterday. They beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Uh, and, and just for the record, I root for the Bills. Buffalo was one of only two franchises in the league to vote against the Browns moving uh, to Baltimore in 1995. So, you know, any, anything, you know, I-90, that, that whole interstate thing, uh, there's something of a fraternity there. But, uh, you know, as a Browns fan who was really estranged from the organization, I, I mean, you know, to the, to the point where, where I wouldn't even try to stream the games. I mean, I don't buy NFL packages. It was great. I, I'd say more than ever, not, not to get political at all, but at a time like this where sports really does provide a few hours of escape from some of the other stuff that's going on, Seeing the Browns compete, play hard, and they beat themselves to some degree. But, I, I mean, I'm not throwing any parades. I'm kind of sad because they lost. But to me, that's just a sign that the love remains. Because for a few years there, Bob, I don't know about you, but for a few years, it, it, it wasn't even interesting enough to watch anymore. You know, it's a funny thing. I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I got up from the couch periodically, as we all do during the game, wandered into the kitchen, grabbed something to drink or something to eat, and went back to the couch and sat down. And every time I went back and looked at the television again, there was this amazement that I'm looking at the uniform. <laughs> and, and it's January. You know, it, it, and, and I mean, I, I got to think Bills fans feel exactly the same way as Browns fans did. It, it's just, look. There's that uniform that I, I, I know, and I, my expectation for so many years has been, I'm not going to see that after Christmas time. Yeah. Did you get that same sense at all? I think for us, for Buffalo sports fans this time of year, we're usually uh, going and looking at the NHL standings, wondering if the Sabres might still be in the race. Yeah, well, they are. They are today, Howard, but <laughs> maybe not for long. <laughs> Four games in, yep, they're still alive. <laughs> No, there's definitely, there is definitely, it's a, you know, we kept saying it today, it is mid-January and there's a Bills game Sunday. And there's a lot to be said about that, right? Normally you're in the off season. What are they doing with free agents? Hey, who should we draft this year? And to still sit here talking about football and expectations of even maybe doing it again next week, it's a, it's a wonderful place for Bills fans to be living in right now. How frustrating is it to know that there's only like, there's only supposed to be 7,000 people at Orchard Park? Yeah, it's, it, it's bittersweet. There's no question about it, guys. We were discussing it today. We were thinking about the play the other night, the pick six, the Teron Johnson interception return. I mean, if that place had 70,000 fans in it, it's an old structure. I'm not sure if it's still standing right now. Um, so we, we do, it does, I do think about it every now and then. You wish everybody could have been there to enjoy it and for the players to feel what the fans were feeling and all that back and forth. It didn't happen. It's not going to happen. So you make the best of it, but honestly, having 6,700 fans in there the last couple of games, I think has been fun. And it sounds like they've been really loud. I mean, Baltimore had two false starts with 10% capacity the other night. So the fans have been loud. I thought the interesting thing about the Browns game, um, Scott, I'll throw it to you principally. Um, the defense against Pittsburgh fell apart in the second half and allowed the Steelers to get back in the game. It, it did almost the same thing in the last game of the regular season against the Steelers. And they started like crap in the game against Kansas City. It looked like they weren't going to be able to stop them at all, at all. 
And then suddenly they kind of came to life and kept them contained. Um, but that's the area I think if you're a Browns fan, you're looking for them to improve next year, aren't you? Yeah, I, I think if they can put the same kind of focus, you know, through the draft, but also through hopefully uh, in, intelligent uh, free agent scouting and signing, that they they can bolster the linebacker court. The the way the league is set up now, and it makes perfect sense aesthetically and commercially, is that defenses are are a step behind or more, almost literally in terms of the contact rules. This has changed enormously, you know since those uniforms meant, meant pride and, and, and the playoffs, the Browns mm-hmm. uniforms. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, Casey's unstoppable. I mean, that, that, that's legitimate 14 and two defending Super Bowl champions. So the defense outside of the, you know, all you could do was, from my point of view, get, get Nick, Nick Chubb as many, as many touches as possible on offense stay close and try to get lucky because the idea of stopping Kansas city is is just for any NFL team, but particularly that up and down still young Browns defense, uh, impossible. Actually, you you talked about, you talked, you talked about Chubb. I was surprised they didn't run hunt more early in the first half. I, I, you know, and, and I, I don't, you know, I don't know Stefanski's game plan, but Kareem hunt was, I mean, against Kansas city, he was possessed in the second half. I would have loved to have seen him more in the first half. That's all year. I've, I've had a hard time figuring out the pattern there. I mean, I, I, it's again, I hate to judge it by Hugh Jackson, one in 31. Uh, uh, but, but I, I give Stefanski credit for creativity and vision, everything I can discern. I'm hardly an X's and O's guys, certainly not when it comes to football, but yeah, what you've got Kareem Hunt against his, his, his former team. You've got Nick Chubb, your O-line is, is iffy. Why aren't you running the ball two out of three times? I, I still can't fit. He had 13 carries for 69 yards, Chubb, but Hunt clearly was underused. Yeah. Well, we're not going to go back to Jim Brown and Ernie Green in the backfield uh, every every Sunday, are we? Um, you know, I mean, as great as that was, I mean, it worked. They won a championship, their last one. Different league. Uh, it's a completely different game. And yet a team that has shown an ability to run the ball and take time off the clock with the ground game. Um, you wonder, are, are we, are we moving back? Is there, um, is there a sense that maybe we're going to see a little bit more of that than we are the pass, 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 pass Howard. No, not here. Not no. in Buffalo. No. <laughs> I get that an afterthought here. There's no question. They, I mean, the other night, they ran one designed run call in the entire first half against the Ravens. And it came with three minutes left in the first half. And there were some bills fans who were a little bit upset, maybe would have sprinkled a few more in, but there's no question. The identity of the bills offense is where the league has gone. It is, you have a quarterback, you have depth at wide receiver, you have multiple weapons, you throw the ball all over the place and you try and outscore the opponent. I mean, that's what Kansas city does. And the bills are now that team. Although I do, I will say, I will say, Howard, I, I, I was really impressed with the Kansas City defense yesterday. I, I, I thought they were, you know, for all that talk about Mahomes and, and all the tools they have on the offensive side, I thought their defense was really, really good. Well, I think, you know, two years ago when they lost in the AFC championship, their defense was pretty bad. I don't think they got enough credit. When you have an offense like that, maybe you don't get enough credit. 
they spent that offseason. They they spent some money. They brought in some better players on defense, and they were much better last year, John. And and they are still good. But I'll tell you this: I think in terms of from the Bills' perspective, they'd be hard pressed to be as good as Baltimore and Indianapolis defensively. I think the Bills, you know, I don't mean this to come back and haunt me if the Bills end up losing and and getting manhandled. I don't. I think the Bills have played their two toughest defensive opponents you could possibly have faced in the first two rounds of the of the playoffs. And I I can't see. I know they got you know they got some good guys up front. They got Chris Jones. You got Frank Clark. You got Matthew on the back end. There's no question they're good players. Mm-hmm. I think as a group, I can't see how they could be as strong as what the Bills saw from the Colts and of course from the Ravens the other night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Uh, one thing occurred that occurred to me before uh, yesterday's game was the possibility of a Buffalo-Cleveland matchup in the AFC final. And I thought, how intriguing for me, especially a guy who's uh, lived in Toronto, um, born in Ohio, a, a Browns fan all my life, but geographically linked to the Buffalo Bills. And two franchises that have been, for lack of a better term, completely and utterly inept. Mm-hmm for the better part of the last quarter of a century. And how intriguing to have those two kind of rust belt cities um, meet each other. But what would it actually have meant to fans in Cleveland, fans in Buffalo? Because that rivalry, well, it isn't even a rivalry, is it? No. People in Buffalo don't really care about the Browns and people in Cleveland don't care about the Bills. Um, and it's, they're both AFC teams, but they don't meet very often. They're geographically close, but they're not in the same division. And so, well, who gives a flying fadu, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. How, sort of how it works? Right, Scott. Scott? Well, they, they could have at least thought out Bob Costas to do the game. That's the upside. No, I, I do think of, of them as sister cities because of Interstate 90, because of the lineage of being, you know, not just disrespected, but earning that disrespect. So I, I got nothing. The idea of that particular game, one, one step to the Super Bowl, Bills, Browns, that, that's a win-win proposition in my mind, probably not in the networks. It's also intriguing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. It's also intriguing that football is the only place where the two cities kind of cross over in terms of rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cleveland has a major league baseball team, but Buffalo doesn't. Um, um, they Cleveland might again, a, they might, they might have one for another year. Well, Cleveland has a <laughs> basketball team. Buffalo doesn't. So the only place where really that rivalry would be created is in football. 
Uh, Howard, your thoughts on uh, what well, think, might have been? Yeah, I think. Well, I think in large part, I think Bills fans would have been rooting for Cleveland because it would have been a home game for the Bills. Right. right. And to an extent, whether people are worried about Mahomes, whatever, they would have felt. To your earlier question about overconfident, eh, maybe that might have been the case if they played Cleveland. I think Bills fans would have almost thought it's a lock. We're going to beat the Browns. It's a home game. We're going to the Super Bowl because they think they would have felt that good about that matchup. But so I think that's why they would have rooted for Cleveland just because home game, no Mahomes, count me in. But yeah, I mean, Scott's right. I, I, you know, the idea of you would have had two of the top young quarterbacks playing in Allen versus Mahomes from the class of, or Allen versus uh, Mayfield from the class of 18. Plus, as you noted, Bob, I mean, we're talking about two of the franchises that have had, that had, two of the longest playoff droughts in the Mm -hmm. modern era of the national football league and meeting in the AFC championship, the bills for the first time in 27 years and the Browns, it would have been the first time in what, like 31 or something like that would have been an amazing story. Maybe not nationally, but certainly in the two cities, I think there would have been an element of, you know, kismet or something that those two, you know, franchises that have been down so long were playing for a shot in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the other thing is that I'm fascinated with the two coaches. Uh, McDermott and Stefanski, to me, uh, I I guess they're newer, you know, the new breed of coaches in in the National Football League. And in many ways, they're very structured. But uh, it's been five years now for Sean McDermott in Buffalo, Howard. And it, it, it has really changed... Uh, a, a lot of the the protocols and understanding of what the bills do just because we know who's in charge, right? Oh, there's no question. Look, you know, as you guys would know, as, as Bob and Scott can relate during the many years in the Browns drought, a lot of time, I mean, they were churning through coaches and GMs and, and, you know, people are talking about a dysfunctional organization and, and backstabbing and all the crazy stuff going on and ownership. And well, same thing here with the bills, you know, and, and I think you now have, you know, uh, there's a stability, there is a clear message of how the franchise is structured, how it is run, what it does on a day-to-day basis, the expectations they have, there's a front office, you know, quite honestly, guys, you know, again, to make the comparison to being back there for the first time since the early 90s, it's the best coach-GM combination around here since Marv Levy and Bill Polian, you know, Mm -hmm. you have a football department that knows what they're doing, you have a head coach who's put together a very good staff, has really become a very good in-game coach as well and has and has become the you know the face of the franchise well maybe the quarterback's the face of the franchise now but there's an element of stability hasn't been here in belief in 30 years and ownership stays out of his way yes i think so yeah well i think ownership it's really weird the 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 ex, the dichotomy i guess between the bills and the sabers mm. i think ownership trusts the bills I think ownership doesn't know what the heck is going on with their hockey team. And maybe they don't feel so good about the coaches and the GMs they've churned out, but ownership, the Pagulas know we've got the football people in place. We're going to let them do their jobs. And there's a track record of them winning. So you guys go at it with the hockey team. Who knows what Scott, do you think Jimmy Haslam's done the same thing in Cleveland? I I think they've been ghastly owners. I I just think they've been awful. I I honestly do. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. Uh, and I've, I've had to make the decision at different points. Once I'm convinced that the owners of a team care much less than I do and the fans I know about actually winning. And I don't think the Haslam's have been ghastly in that sense. I think in the sense of 
absolutely not trusting their own hires, making extremely poor hires, uh, both at GM and, and then as coach. I, I mean, it, it's, it's really been terrible. They, they had promised, to, the Haslam's had promised to move to Cleveland. I don't even want to get it. It's such a rabbit hole for me. <laughs> You know, to have the billionaires from Tennessee who were part owners of the Steelers suddenly suddenly take over the Browns and make what was a, a shabby and inept team a total clown show for so many years. You know, I, I just don't even want to get that upset about it. I, I just, you know, and, and not to change the subject entirely, but I wanted to ask Howard, uh, that, that quarterback class is fascinating mm. as, as the seasons unfold. And all I remember, and no scout, no expert here, uh, was that Josh Allen was kind of the bottom of the list, not because of the tools, far from it, but because you can't learn accuracy. Were you expecting, Howard, the, the, this, this quality of play from Josh Allen? No. In fact, I'm not going to – I can't change history. I didn't think it was a good draft pick. I, I watched his games at Wyoming. You know, we watched every quarterback that year as many – each week – we would watch all of their games every Saturday and then talk about each guy on Monday. And I was not impressed with Josh Allen at all. In fact, I was troubled that two, th one, he didn't dominate a mid-major conference. Two, when they went up against power five schools, he looked terrible. Mm -hmm. So I, I was not on board with that draft pick. So I, I mean, I was completely wrong. Thank goodness. But even this year, guys, no. I, I mean, you could tell last year he was obviously trending in the right direction. He was making a lot of strides. He had gotten a little bit more accurate um, and he had looked like a better quarterback from year one to year two. Nobody, nobody saw the jump coming into year three. Nobody thought he goes from, you know, where, Hey, he's a good young quarterback. They made the playoffs too. He's in the MVP discussion. Mm. I don't think anybody would tell you they saw that coming. Certainly not outside of outside of the bills offices. Was there, was there a watershed moment, Howard? Yeah. When they traded for Stefan Diggs. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watershed moment. You know, great, great quarterbacks can make uh, um, average receivers look great, but um, what I think you've discovered in Buffalo is the opposite can work too. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, look, let's face it. There, there are some nice receivers here. Don't get me wrong. They bring in John Brown and Cole Beasley last year, and that helped make Josh Allen look better in year yes, two. Yes, it did. Then you go over the top. I mean, you, you know, this is I don't know drafting Eichel, or I'm trying to think what whatever compared you bring in an elite game-breaking wide receiver. So you couple that with Josh's progression going up and then you bring in this guy and it's created an unbelievable chemistry. And it's a dynamic that again, hasn't been here in a long time. And the time. one thing, the one thing about Diggs is you like, is that not only can you know, can he, you know, run the long routes, but not afraid to go over the middle either. I mean, that this guy does a little bit of everything, doesn't he? You can't cover him. I mean, it's, it, you know, the, the best part of, of some of the best parts of watching Bill's games are when they do ISO replays of digs and whoever he's lined up against. And I can't tell you guys how many times this season you'll see a cornerback fall down or just get beat cleanly off the line five yards down the field. His route running ability. Yeah, I mean, the bombs will stick out and everybody remembers deep throws, but his route running ability, his ability to make contested catches, um, you know, battles in traffic, go over the middle. You name it, this guy does it, and he, you know, he and Josh are really the two big reasons why they've taken this offense to an unbelievably higher level. Um, what do what did you 
what have you heard about Mahomes and his status for uh, next week? And by the way, every 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 Bills fan is hitting refresh, 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 refresh oh. on Twitter, waiting for the news on Mahomes. So nothing. We were just actually, on, you know, we had to spend the morning researching concussion protocol rules in the NFL. Yeah, and so there there was nothing that we had heard new. Only that, you know, again, he he can practice. He could be practicing this week. While it, this is not like the NHL. You know, if you use, right, you guys can help me out here. Seven days, symptom-free. If not, you stay home, basically. Right. right. No, this is far from it. So he could be practicing this week and be listed as a participant, even though he's still in protocol. And then there are some reports that maybe it wasn't a concussion, maybe it was something different. So there's a lot of speculation out there, and there's nothing definitive at this point. But it, it, It's not too simple, is it, guys? Um, Scott, to you, it's not too simple to say if Mahomes plays – the Bills' chances of advancing to the Super Bowl are diminished significantly. This is a, not only a quarterback, a starting quarterback, he's a starting star quarterback. He, he's, he's a weapon uh, outside of Lamar. At least, if not the best quarterback, pure, pure quarterback in the NFL uh, in the top two or three. It's a totally different game, although I, I now I'm haunted by Chad Henney, but yes, it's, it's an entirely different prospect facing Pat Mahomes. Well, hold on, but I, I, I guarantee, I mean, I'd be shocked if Mahomes doesn't play on Sunday. Shocked. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. Again, and I think, look, every, every case is different, but it's not out of the question that a guy gets a concussion in the NFL and seven days later, he's suiting up. So I, I would be shocked too, John. I would I would assume he's going to play against the Bills. And and again, sorry, Scott. I but I, I would like their chances better against Chad Henney than Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes yeah. is just he's phenomenal. Yes. I don't know. I saw that I I saw that scramble for that late first down. They almost got the first down. I'm going, oh my good, he may <laughs> don't make Scott feel any worse than he is. Yeah. I mean, that's just now you're now you're rubbing it in, John. No, he, he actually when we talked about Diggs in Buffalo, though. This was, you know, the Browns were a team that did all of this. And I love Jarvis Landry. He's one of my favorite receivers. But without Odell Beckham, um, and I, what, would, what, would, what would Beckham have done to, for this team? Would it, we have been a difference maker, Scott, or is he just a, a pain in the butt? I, 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 think, I don't think he's a pain in the butt. He's, he's a, a traditional, in many ways, NFL wideout. Uh, over the past generation or so, the ones that are best are all perceived as, as pains in the butt. Mm. I, I do think they had a very hard time fitting a, I, chemistry with Baker. I have no idea. But, but when Beckham has, has been healthy, the chemistry or the, literally the targets and catches have not been there, which is not to say I'm not hopeful that, that you know, OBJ doesn't come back and, and, and everything cooks uh, the same way it has in Buffalo. It's just, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what would have made a difference yesterday. I, I do, you know, I, I kind of wish the touchback rule was there. Was so I have so many, so many things I wish, but for, for a young team that nobody expected to get that far, I, I thought, you know, they acquitted themselves. Well, uh, I wish Higgins had just, you know, you got to secure the ball. Mm. This, this isn't any, a goal line exception. This is like secure the ball and don't worry about it. The referee not calling the helmet hit. Now I'm getting upset again. But it, it actually, <laughs> the, 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 the NFL is famous for being very well. I guess reactive in this situation of not being not being afraid to change rules. Can you see helmet to helmet being reviewable? 
I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm troubled by many aspects of, of the game and the NFL game as as it is involved. And part of it is, you know, I'm getting old and soft. Our our son is is in his early 20s, so I tend to see these guys more more as warriors who aren't simply two dimensional objects anymore. Mm-hmm. I would like the NFL to continue punishing helmet first tackles because here, they're here. right there they're, they're there just doesn't seem to be any other way to police that aspect of the game. Well, and you know, it's been a long time since I put football equipment on, but you get taught things in football. You don't start with a preconceived notion of what to do. You are, you are taught how to tackle, how to, how to do everything. And if you aren't teaching guys to keep their chin up when they hit rather than lower their head, then there's something inherently wrong there and this rule has been in place long enough now that guys who did it differently in years past most of them have filtered out of the game so you now we're now dealing with a generation of guys who should know how to do this and should be more it should be more instinctive and we understand football is an instinctive game it moves fast when it moves mm-hmm. there's lots of long periods where it doesn't do anything but when it moves, it moves fast, and you've got to, you know, a lot of it is instinct. But you got to teach these guys to keep their chins up and not lower their head when they hit. And we saw, well, we see it every game, every week throughout the course of the season. I, I dare say there hasn't been a game all year where I could definitively say I didn't see a guy lower his head and hit somebody. Can you? Yeah, they don't call it as much as they as they said they were going. I mean, there is, I mean, they put rules in place. They put rules in place. So not just de- defensive players hitting offensive players or defenseless receivers or whatever. They're, they put in rules for, you know, ball carriers. If you lower the crown of your helmet and you initiate contact, you're supposed to be flagged for it. And they, they just don't call that anymore. Um, we should take a second and get some prognostication. Well, uh, can we, should we talk about it, the NFC? We're going to, but we're okay. gonna, first I want to, I want to see, I mean, is it even possible to prognosticate not knowing whether Mahomes is going to play, or are we just going to assume oh, he's going he's, to play? He's going to play, Bob. Come All right, on. so Mahomes plays. Who do you like? Scott, first. Uh, I, I can't go against the Chiefs. I, I, just, I just think even their running game yesterday was very impressive. I just, I just think they're the right team with the experience and the coach. I think Andy Reid's a brilliant head coach. Well, Simon? There's a, here's a shock. I'm actually going to take the Bills. Um, and and I, I've been on record for a couple of weeks now. They hit a point this season, guys, where it just went from, hey, they're going to win the division. Yeah, they're going to win a playoff game. They're among the, they're with the best teams in the NFL. Their defense is the best it had all season. I know what we saw Saturday night. I don't think Kansas City's defense will be able to do what Baltimore's defense did. Allen's had a great year. There's a depth of weapons. Look, it's going to come down to this. I think it'll be a higher scoring game. Do the Bills have an offense that can outscore Kansas City? And normally, that's not a good way to play the game. But I do believe they do. And, you know, you can look at that first game here. You know, they got run all over. But quite honestly, their game plan was you run the ball all night. We're just not going to let you throw it over our heads in the air. And it went to an extreme for Kansas City. I think they'll come up with a game plan to not give up 250 yards rushing, but also still prevent the big plays and keep this thing a one-score game or right there for the taking in the fourth quarter. And I think the Bills' offense will actually be the decisive factor. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So the AFC Championship game, two young quarterbacks who we've discussed. The extreme opposite on the other side in the NFC. Two guys on their way to the Hall of Fame. And maybe you can't argue which is better, but they're both good and they're both old. Uh, which one do you like in that one, Mr. Rab? I'm not sure that I'm, you know, I, I could say e either team. I, I wish my familiarity with both. You know, what I know about those teams boils down in large part to the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. I, I, just, I just think uh, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with either one. I, if I had to bet, I would bet on the Packers sim simply because we got a, a younger guy in a more diverse offense from my, from my point of view. Simon? Look, there is nobody, nobody in this world, I would hope, that would want to see the Bills play Tom Brady. It's, okay, I'm lying. There are actually good <laughs> friends who would love – this is – here it is, guys. This, this, these are the things, as you know, the things you talk about in sports talk, right? So this is the revenge. The narrative is the Bills finally win a Super Bowl. Who do they beat to win the Super Bowl? They exercise 20 years of demons – by beating Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl. I think there are a lot of Bills fans who, who want to see that. Now, if you guarantee me that they'll get, when they get there, they'll beat Brady, I'll sign up right now, fellas. But there is no guarantee. And I got to tell you, the last guy in the world I'd want to lose a Super Bowl tool is Tom Brady. <laughs> Go Packers. To tell you what, I, 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 Tom Brady said yesterday he admitted that he thinks his blood is thinner after playing in Tampa all year. So it's going to be 24 Fahrenheit degrees in Green Bay with snow flurries. Good. I think that this is a classic case of home field advantage for the Packers. And when you looked at all four games this weekend, when you looked at them, there's one team's offense that did almost anything it wanted to do at any time, and that was the Packers. I think, and by the way, I think it's Packers-Bills. And I think our friends at CBS are going to roll their eyes because it's two of the smallest TV markets, although the Packers do have a great following and so do the Bills. It, uh, but Packers Bills for me in the, uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, uh, we will find out in uh, less than a week from, uh, from today. Uh, gentlemen, lovely to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes for us. And uh, with a little bit of luck, we'll invite you back and uh, hopefully you'll join us again somewhere down the road. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Howard. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Uh, for John Shannon, Bob McCowan, we'll see you on Wednesday on the podcast. Goodbye.